Coming up, the Brooklyn Nets have one preseason game under their belt. And after all the positives, we take a look at some of the areas that this team will need to focus in on from offensive floor spacing to that new defensive drop coverage. We dive in coming up next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, uh, yes, my friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there, you find Doug Nori, owner-operator of DFSR, for all your daily fantasy sports rankings from DraftKings to FanDuel. He's got you covered. I'm Adam Armbrecht, preparing to kick off the New Jersey Devils season on the Devils Puck Luck podcast with Danny McDonough. We thank you for making us your first listen today. We're free on all those great platforms and let you know Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat up to 50 plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. And Doug, with one preseason of sample size, we were elated by the health and free-flowing form of one Ben Simmons and the starting unit appearance for Cam Thomas. But there are also some things that we expected this team would need to work on, and we want to make sure that we cover those before we get into the second preseason sample in the coming days. Of course, and just as a reminder, we covered a lot of positives on yesterday's podcast. So if you are just catching this as your first podcast after the first preseason <laughs> game, go check uh, yesterday's podcast because we did like 40 minutes, 45 minutes at least on YouTube live, um, just praising all the different stuff that we saw for the first game. So I need to feel – I feel – like, I need to get the asterisk and the disclaimer out of the way first as we start to talk about not overreactions, but no. things that we were concerned about that were not necessarily alleviated in this in this, uh, in this this first game, right? Like, things that, you know, I think that we spent the offseason talking about, and some of those things came up a little bit here in this in this game. And the first one we can just talk about is the offensive spacing, right? And, um, I mean, you can run through this while, like, what, you know, we kind of know the story of why this was going to be the case, right? Like the same positives that we took out of the Ben Simmons and Nick Claxton experience are unfortunately going to rear their ugly heads when it comes to offensive spacing, because neither of these guys can do it. Yeah. And I, and I didn't think we expected it to look any different on the offensive end. I think defensively is where you get really excited about that tandem. Now in the first preseason game, obviously no Cameron Johnson, you get Cam Thomas in the starting lineup. But frankly, even if you swap those two guys out or do any other version of it, it's still going to be the same problem. You have two players that are non-shooters in Ben Simmons and Nicholas Claxton. Their offensive game is going to be attacking at the basket, some weak side opportunities off of the other players playing at a high level. But you need on-ball shot creation. And when you look at this court and you look at this team, Mikhail Bridges, we know he's the best player on this roster. But then I think, Doug, we're going to mention him a couple times. Didn't talk about him positively in the first episode, though he had a good game and we expect good things from him. Spencer Dinwiddie is going to be critical for the success of this offensive court and what he needs to do consistently to produce for them. So one like a somewhat alarming stat from this first game is that if you look at the starting lineup of uh, Bridges, or Simmons, uh, Dinwiddie, Cam Thomas, Mikhail Bridges, and Nick Claxton, 
that they took 12 total three pointers in their time in the court. Each, you know, they played around 15 plus minutes, but that was, but the, but assuming they took 13 total three pointers, 12 of them were taken by Dinwiddie and Thomas, right? So yeah. they, they really concentrate all the three point shooting to those two guys. Now, I don't think Brit- Mikael Bridges is not a candidate to only shoot one three pointer, uh, you know, for every 15 minute stretch. So I don't think that's gonna be the case, but Simmons and Claxton are favorites to not shoot any for the whole course of the whole season. So you are getting zeros in terms of spacing right away from those two guys. And you could just see that spacing was an issue on the court where there was like trouble for some of these guys getting open space, either to get by their primary defender or just to open up for good looks. And yes, Simmons got to the rack a few times and Claxton did too. And that's going to be critical for them to really, really kind of push the um, you know, push that agenda as much as possible. But when you look at that three-point distribution, which is to say there really wasn't one, it was just these two mm-hmm. guys, that is troubling. And it's because they opposing defenses are, are going to know they can ball deny those guys around the three-point line like pretty aggressively and not have to worry too much about it, about getting burned, <laughs> right? Yeah. Now, it's a little different with the Lakers. They have Anthony Davis uh, guarding the glass, and it's going to be easier for him to stick in the paint knowing Claxton and Simmons are there. But I, this was a concern. You could kind of see it playing out in real time. It's like, Hey, there are times that this is a, a, a struggle. And I want to say one, like there is an asterisk for me on this, sh- on this shooting. If you look at, so Bridges was over one from three pointer. I think that's an outlier. Dinwiddie and Thomas were a combined four for 12. Now a lot of cams production there came in that second half and Dinwiddie's if I'm just being honest about it. Two of those threes were sort of the heave ho variety at like the end of the shot clock that I don't think are candidates to go in often, <laughs> right? Like, so combined, combined I, eight I to do, 12, right? Yeah. Combined eight to 12, just to, to there's sorry, there are combined eight to 12. Sorry. Yeah. There are combined eight to 12. A lot of that from Kate was cam in the second half and two of Din, sorry, just to re- yeah. rephrase and do and two of Dinwiddie's were not necessarily like super clean spot up threes off of Austin drives. They were like, Oh, let me get this up before the shot clock expires. And they went in. Okay. They went in, yes. but that's just not, they're not the shot. I don't want to be results oriented on that because those are not the shots you're looking for. No, 100%. And to take it a step further, you have those two players combining, as you say, 8 of 12 from beyond the arc. Well, everybody else then goes a combined 7 of 20, what is it, 7 of 27 from, from deep? Mm-hmm. Like, like So that, that's a sub-27% from beyond the arc. And, and this is some of the things that we talk about. Now, listen, this is even beyond the starting rotation and beyond the issues of Ben Simmons and Claxton starting together. But this is going to permeate throughout this roster as well. You look down into the bench and some of those other sample sizes. I'm not going to worry about Armani Brooks, who comes in late, but Lonnie Walker, only one of five from deep. Royce O'Neal had two very smooth-looking triples to start, but finished two of five as well. And Dorian Finney-Smith, one of four. And, and all of this comes back to what we think is going to be successful around Ben Simmons and, and drawing the attention of the defense and finding these shooters. But remember, I mean, the Lakers are a good example. Of, they're, they're a good team. They're a big team as well. But, but there's going to be times when you can trust one-on-one matchups against Ben Simmons, against Nicholas Claxton as they enter into the paint. So if you can stay at home defensively, those Spencer Dinwiddie late shot clocks, hey, there's a guy in your face and it's time to pull or, or shut up, that's probably going to happen at least early on as they try to figure out that rhythm and make sure that they can be effective when Simmons and Claxton share the court together. And look, they're missing theoretically one of their best three-point shooters in Cam Cameron Johnson too. So there is a guy out here that's going to play a lot of minutes who is a floor spacer, right? So it's, this isn't a perfect one-to-one comp for, and I think there's room for improvement. And like I said, Mikhail's been a really good three-point shooter, and he's a candidate to take more. I, I guess more of my thing is 
I think we kind of understood that pairing Simmons and Claxton together would have would have its benefits, but there were going to be definitive drawbacks to it, and that is the drawbacks are going to be that there's just not going to be a lot of space for these shooters. I know Simmons is really good at finding shooters, and he mm. and he is, but it's pretty easy to scheme against staying home against the only three shooters in a lineup, basically, yeah. right? Because if you look, because in this lineup, it's they're just going to replace Cameron Thomas or Cam Thomas with Cameron Johnson, so it's like. It's an upgrade, but it's not like it's not like they're replacing one of the non-shooters. I, we're replacing one of the guys yeah. who could shoot with another shooter, <laughs> and I, and I think that you know it's pretty easy for defenses to get ultra aggressive around the perimeter on the three guys that can do it, and be less aggressive around the two guys that can't, and live with the results. And I think we're going to see a lot of that this year. I, I think we're going to see defenses that understand scheming against that is not too difficult. With the caveat to be like Simmons and Claxton are going to have to punish over and over and over again, defense is kind of drawn off that way. But watch for this next time this group comes out. Like, watch what happens. Watch what happens on the perimeter defenders, on the three guys who can shoot. They don't have to... They they don't have to move like they just have to stay with those guys and face up and 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 it's gonna make it for it's gonna make for pretty tough shot selection I think. Now we're gonna talk about the ball handlers and, and who's going to be handling the ball for the Brooklyn Nets as well as a little bit of a new defensive style for this roster. But when we come back in, I also want to focus in on how that Ben Simmons and Nicholas Claxton tandem can impact other players and some of the sweet spots on the court that they want to work to. We'll get to that in just one second. All right, before we get to that, I'll tell you about our friends over at Jace Medical and the Jace case providing five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. Look, you don't want to be caught off guard when it comes to medical stuff. You want to be able to get what you need to get yourself right. Sometimes it can mean difficult to get in a doctor's appointment. Sometimes it can mean just trouble getting to the pharmacy. Sometimes it can just mean supply chain issues. Like you just can't get what you need, even though you know it's very obvious that the thing that's going to make me better in this situation is just what Jace Case has. So just cover it early and make sure you are prepared. Jace Case handles uh, everything. They're going to do the online evaluation for you. It's going to license pharmacy medication. It's delivered right uh, to your door. Ongoing consultation and care with doctors so you know you are covered completely. Look, We've been, we've all been in a case like this before where we just felt like we needed something. We needed to be able to get better and we just needed what Jace case can provide. You can get it yourself and you can get $20 off these life-saving antibiotics from Jace medical. Got to use the promo code locked on at checkout at jacemedical.com. That's J A S E medical.com. All right, so talking all things Brooklyn Nets coming out of that first preseason game. And a reminder, if you want to extend the conversation with Doug Norrie and myself, you go to joinsubtext.com slash LockedOnNets. Like having a group chat with all your friends, only me and Doug are in there, and we're stirring the pot, and you're throwing fire, and we're giving it right back to you. Free 14-day trial and less than a cup of coffee a month. Go check it out at joinsubtext.com slash LockedOnNets. And the last note before we get into the defensive side of the ball and some of the other areas that we're going to be watching for, and that we've discussed this off season. And I think came to fruition in that first preseason game when Ben Simmons and Nicholas Claxton get into the teeth of the defense and they're looking for those kickouts. I think two things you kind of touched on. It's not difficult to scheme to defend against that. You're going to find that the teams collectively will be keeping an eye on where Ben Simmons is and where he's Mm. trying to get the ball to, right? So in a lot of ways, you'll be defending the passing lanes out of the paint when Ben Simmons gets in there as much as you are defending positionally where some of these shooters are going to be on the floor. The other area I want to bring up is that Mikhail Bridges, and we saw this in last night's game and some of his opportunities, Cam Thomas showed this off too, mid-range. Guy loves the mid-range. And listen, you take those free easy two points, it's a beautiful thing. But again, 
If you don't have that consistent perimeter threat and defenses want to clog the paint to prevent that Claxton and Ben Simmons penetration, now all of a sudden there's just more bodies there. And that's why I think you saw some of that clunkiness gets into Mikhail's hands and, and he's trying to find a very small pocket to get off some of yeah. these looks in that first game. And look, it's just geometry, right? Like the court is only so big and the, the, the further you are from players and defenders, the easier the shots are. Like, this isn't rocket science. And the more you have guys that they that that's not a threat from, it just it reduces the space. I had the NBA. Uh, the nerds won with this stuff, man. Like this is what works. <laughs> like nerds. and you know, <laughs> the spread, the spreadsheet folks just took a one look at this and figured out that spacing. Now you, but again, you, it can be overcome, and there are ways around it. But I, it's just something to keep an eye on. It's something that I think that we're going to see different variations of. I think we'll see Simmons and Claxton's minutes kind of chopped up a little bit, and, and you know they won't overlap all the time because I think they're going to see this as an issue. But um, it's just something to keep an eye out for. And the other thing, yeah. I, we can get into the next thing. To so go ahead, yeah. Yeah, no, and, and again, too, it's like this is why they have some of these other players that we want to see how they play in preseason that can help spread this out a little bit. Somebody has to bubble up in here, and even some of the guys they have expectations for, um, which includes, by the way, Dennis Smith Jr. Wanted to come in, wanted to be a pest defensively, be that anchor point guard traditional style for the second unit, but it also unveil, unveiled the new methodology on the defensive end. Used to be switching every single thing. Now you want to be able to use some of that drop coverage. It requires these backcourt players, Spencer Dinwiddie, Cam Thomas, if he's, if he's going to be out there, Dennis Smith Jr. when he comes in. you got to fight over these screens. You need to be in yeah. the face of the perimeter shooters. And listen, is D'Angelo Russell <laughs> the, the next coming of, of uh, you know Curry here? I don't think so. But he's certainly displayed how players can get hot when you do not get in their airspace quickly enough. And that happened a lot throughout this game on uh, was it Tuesday night. Monday night. Yeah, one thing that yeah, one thing that killed the Nets at times last year was the switching scheme where they would switch Claxton out of a big and with Claxton's fine, like he can defend the perimeter. It's the problem was like what happens after that, right? Like when you switch out the big onto the smaller guy and the Nets would just sort of get buried for that. They would and it was like they would get buried twice because they would get buried on the switch and then they'd get buried rebounding because Claxton's yeah. now just away from the rim and he's their he's easily their best rebounder. We saw them try a you know of specifically with Claxton staying home on the AD screen and the Anthony Davis screens um and trying to not switch which means that when that's happening the the, the guard defender is going to have to fight over and know and just and stay you know on the level with the ball handler and if you're wondering why D'Angelo Russell, like you said, looked like the second coming is because that just didn't happen and all of his looks were wide open, yeah. <laughs> right? And so, and that a lot of that time it was Dinwiddie's assignment. I don't, I'm not sitting out here blaming Spencer Dinwiddie for this. It just happened. To, I think it just happened to be the case. The Nets are working with a new system here. I think it's going to probably be some growing pains around it. Um, all, with all of this stuff, there's a give and take, right? You, if you're going to switch everything, you're going to give something and take something. If you're going to play, if you're going to switch it up, you're going to give something and take something. I think that they have some of the personnel to be able to pull this out uh, with guys like Dennis Smith Jr. and, you know, to some degree, Spencer. But it did, I was encouraged that it was like, okay, hey, we're trying something new this year. Um, this is going to be slightly different. We're going to play into Claxon's rim protection also, right? That's, that's going to help us. But if you don't get over, if you don't get over on these screens or you just can't, if, if, they, if you know, you get, you're not totally attached to the hip all the way through the looks can be pretty clean. So, and that's, and that's what ended up happening here with specifically with the DLO ones. And, and that's where I think, and I, I'll ask if you agree with me that given the roster construction, you didn't go out and get a traditional big. Now, by the way, you and I talk about this all the time. These guys don't just exist. The Anthony Davises are not just wandering the streets waiting to be picked up to be this great two-way player that can anchor your defensive unit. 
So they are still an undersized team. But I just think that it makes sense also with Ben Simmons back and healthy. Listen, Nicholas Claxton, Ben Simmons, when they're on the bigs, you need to let them stay on that assignment because we saw them get beat up on the boards. That's still going to be an issue this year. So I think it makes sense to go into this year saying, guards, that that that's your job. You got to fight over. You got to stay on your marks. And we're going to have to live with, it, to some capacity, those results, knowing that if not, the way that we were exposed last season underneath the basket time and time again, it's just too critical. And, and listen, the three-point percentages are going to be what they're going to be. But I'll take my chances on those misses and having Claxton be a part of the rebounding process rather than a Royce O'Neal, rather than Mikhail Bridges having to fight through it. It's going to be a team effort, but I think at least to start the season, this is the path you want to go forward with to see if you can find a higher success rate defensively than we had a year ago. Or just mix it up in more of an even distribution. At least use it. Right? Like, <laughs> right, yeah, like, right, like where it's just, it's a threat to be used and you're not really sure. I think at last year it was very obvious what the Nets were going to do. They, we, everyone knew. That's just the, that was the sort of just the system that they were running. They wanted to switch everything one through five and they had the personnel pretty much to do it when, especially after the, after the trade. Um, they probably have most of the personnel to do it again this year, but they also have the personnel to not have to do it every time either. And mm -hmm. so I think that's going to be the key is that just varying it in terms of looks, having the defense not know what you're going to do. I think we will see more variations. I think we're going to see plenty of switching here, by the way. I, I think they're going to switch well, tons. I, it's just that last year they were really hesitant to do anything else. But I, I think now, you know, especially with Dayron, and we'll see who, what are some of these other bigs that stick, but I think they just have to be able to do both and having yes. a point of attack defender like the, like DSJ and guys like that will help with this. Some uh, it's just something, another thing that we just want to keep an eye out for. Yeah. And I also think that in the positive light of the Ben Simmons, Nicholas Claxton tandem, well, these are two guys that do have that switchability defensively as well. Right. And that's, that's the positive you take of those guys sharing the court yeah. together. Now, if Claxton is going to switch out on the perimeter, well, you don't feel like you're being left naked with whoever has to pick up his assignment. It can be Ben Simmons, vice versa. So yeah, there's value there. And I agree with you that the ultimate goal is here. Try more. Don't, don't, don't do the one thing and get beat up consistently. Like it felt like they did last year. And it feels like the personnel is pushing in the right direction for that. Coming up here in a second, let's turn our attention really back over to the offensive end here and the ball handling. There's a reason why Trendon Watford caught our eyes in the late game of Monday night. It's because the Nets need guys that can move this ball up and down the court for them. Do they have enough? We'll dive in on that question coming up next. All right, before we get to that, I'll tell you about our friends over at FanDuel right now. You snap into uh, action this NFL season, NBA 2, with FanDuel America's number one sports pick. Over on FanDuel, you're not going to beat this. Right now, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time than right now to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use, super wide range of betting options, spreads, player pops, over-unders, some of those uh, you know, full season-long stuff that they got going up for NBA, like win totals, awards. It's all there for you on FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Kick off the NFL season if you're getting into it. NBA season as well. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. A good reminder as we conclude our episode, just looking at some of the areas that the Nets need to focus on as we work our way through the preseason. On our next episode, we'll be breaking down some of the quotes and takeaways from Ben Simmons, from Cam Thomas, and from Jock Vaughn. So we're going to get a sense of where the players and the staff felt like everybody looked in this first sample size that we got to see. So be sure to tune in for that one on Thursday. But we wrap up today's episode looking at ball handlers. I mentioned it there at the end of the second segment, Doug. I mean, listen, Trenton Watford opened eyes and actually heard from some Portland Trailblazer fans saying like, 
they saw this in his time in Portland to whatever level that he was being utilized. But I do think from a Nets perspective, anytime anybody, I don't care if you're six foot two, six foot one, like Dennis Smith Jr. or eight feet tall, when you see a guy get the ball and bring it up the court comfortably, you go, hey, we may have something here. And I, and I still think that that's going to be the question mark, whether it's in the starting unit or otherwise, because I'll use Mikhail as the example in this. We know that he can get on ball and, and he can execute offensively, but I think you need to have as many possible components to thread a unit and this can stay motion and take somebody off the dribble. When, when things break down, do you have enough guys that can do it with the ball in their hands? That's going to be the question, I think, for the foreseeable future for this team. Yeah, they just don't really have a ton of pick and roll ball handling on this squad. We've seen, you know, Dinwiddie can get out there and can run pick and roll. He can run some ISO stuff. Um, and he was actually a really high assist guy uh, through the second half of the season last year. After yep. that, though, like, you know, who are their best ball handlers? It's it's pretty few and far between here, right? Like, we have Cam, who's a natural scorer. You have Bridges, who can run some two-man stuff. But, you know, it's not like you don't want him doing that for all your possessions. He's not like this like sort of heliocentric offensive guy. And then the other guys just have like holes in their game. It's like DSJ can't shoot. Right. And, and there's just other, there's just other problems uh, with, you know, for shoot, like, shoot from distance. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they use Waffer. I, I think this is not really going to be something that's solved easily for them either. They're going to have to sort of make the best of a situation that they already were in. I don't think we saw anything from this, uh, game that makes you feel if you were already worrying about the overall ball handling on the team I don't think this game made you feel tons better <laughs> about it I just no. think that there's going to be there's just going to be stuff and I know people are gonna say well yeah Simmons right Simmons is the ball handler I mean he is but count on see how many fingers it takes you to count the amount of times that Ben Simmons is going to face you up and really punish you like one-on-one -on -one off the dribble he's going to try to get in the lane but he's not going to punish you in pick and roll or anything like that and so, cause you can't shoot. Right. So uh, I think this is just going to be something that we also see as possibly frustrating as over the course of the season is like, who are the offensive initiators when they're on the ball? It's, yep. they just don't, they don't really have the dudes. And the other missing piece off of this, obviously starting rotation was Cameron Johnson. And while he is not known for this, he talked in the season, he got the contract in the off season I'll be curious, and not just for himself on ball, but I'll actually also be curious with how he plays off of Ben Simmons, right? So there, there is this other element that we're only going to get more of here over the rest of the preseason. It's still going to be the question, but I, I think you have to look at those guys, right? Like we're, we're talking about a team whose highest paid players are Ben Simmons, healthy now, but non-shooter, Mikhail Bridges, all-around two-way player, and then Cameron Johnson. And Cameron Johnson needs to step up and be the clear defined third best, I'll say, offensive player, right? Nick Claxton is in his own category. But if Cameron Johnson's not going to be all down game, then we're, we're going to be sitting here saying, okay, now it's maybe too much Spencer Dinwiddie. That's not knocking him. It's just you start to ask more of other players that you really should need to if your best guys are playing up to par. Yeah, and we talked about this on the offseason as well, just like trying to figure out what if Cam Johnson was going to be able to expand his game more into this range. It'll be really sort of critical to know that if he can, we didn't get a look at it here. Um, and I still think, you know, my my excitement there is tempered to be sort of just in the realistic range around what he's ultimately able to do. It is a good sign that Cam Thomas is actually playing minutes because he actually solves some of this in terms mm -hmm. of, 
just being able to score, be able to create his own shot. Like they actually have very few guys who can create their own shots. Um, I mean, who can? I mean, Mikhail can to some degree. I mean, he, Mikhail can. Uh, and then we're hoping that Cameron Johnson can. Dinwiddie can on the on the right kind of shot, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's got to be sort of the right kind. <laughs> he can, you know, um, it's not it's not like he can sort of crush you uh, sort of all around but there's certain iso stuff that he's that he's pretty good at and pretty efficient at over but after that really it's like who is it it's not they really don't have a lot of other guys after that that are just going to be that you're going to be like feeling really great about and the shot clock you're going to be feeling really great about running two-man pick and roll like inverted mm-hmm. pick and roll like any of this stuff like they're just not they just don't really have it and so I think we're all we're hoping that everyone probably gets a little better and that the sum of the parts is greater than or the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. But if you look at it just on a person by or player by player basis here, you you're really hard pressed because like go right here. Look at it this way. Go across to the Lakers who they just played. And you're like, oh, hey, who can handle themselves sort of like in in sticky situations? LeBron. We already know Reeves can. He ran pick and roll awesome with AD last year. We know D'Angelo Russell can. Right? There's three guys in the starting lineup that you already feel pretty great-ish about. Um, and then not to mention Davis, who can just, if you get you get him in the post, like he's got a really just expansive offensive game. So now, you know, mm-hmm. just compare it to these, some of these other teams that are some of the contenders and just look at the difference. And the Nets, while we like the players they have, they just don't have players like that that can get themselves out of like, you know, break glass in case of emergency, late shot clock stuff or two man pick and roll, which you kind of need to be able to do to be of a certain class in the NBA. And this is the bad dose of medicine, but it's when that's brought in the players they did right to see if they can collectively fill these gaps. There's going to be bad stretches, but let's see how that develops as we move along. Yep. All right. We're going to get out of here. Like always, a couple things you're going to do here, super easy. You're going to like and subscribe wherever you're listening to podcasts. Bang. That one's free. You're going to go over, and you're going to subscribe to YouTube. So you know that when we're going live after games, all season long, we'll be live on YouTube. Extra stuff's just happening on YouTube. That one's totally for free. And if you want to just do a couple bucks a month for joinsubtext.com and get in on the one-on-one conversation with Adam and I every single day talking Brooklyn Nets basketball, you go to joinsubtext.com slash locked on Nets. Free trial. So you just test it out. No, 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 no downside there. You get the free trial. You get there for a couple weeks. You'll guarantee by the numbers here, everyone wants to stick around. So <laughs> and you'll, you, we think you'll be part of the group too. So join subtext.com slash locked on Nets. My fellow nerds and I will retire to the nerdery with our calculators. That's Richard Hayden, AKA David Spade from Tommy Boy. Uh, one of the all-time great poets. We'll be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.